Thanks for downloading this IMSA Radio podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be broadcast, reproduced, or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by visiting imsaradio.com or search for IMSA Radio wherever they get their podcasts. Another hour is gone, although that's the race hour. Remember, we're still within the clock hour. So with 10 hours still to go, 18 minutes away from 4 o'clock and still a long, long way away from day breaking, Bruce Jones. Indeed so, but... uh, Well, I'm just about to give you an answer, but let us go down to Marshank because uh, Joe Bradley working that pit lane really hard. Joe... Yeah, I've just been able to have a, a little chat while you were doing the update there with uh, Mike Chang. And uh, I asked him, are you concerned? How, how concerned are you with this oil situation on the 60? And he told me um, they're managing it. It's, uh, you know, manageable at the moment. And it's not too excessive to cause uh, too much worry. Well, that's good news. Not causing too much worry. It will be, I was about to say, one of those things just niggling away in the back of their mind. I think it's probably mid-mind right now, not right at the front, but they will be conscious of it and needing to read telemetry, any information being fed back to them from the car. And, you know, there's a limited amount of checking you can do when the car's stationary for, what is it, two minutes, maybe a minute and a half during the, the longer service pit stops, Bruce. Yeah, and I, I think it's just another thing on the to-do list, but definitely drawing an eye. They wish they didn't have to, but it's, it's something that has to be checked. But uh, just as Joe was going down to catch up with Meyer Shank Racing, doesn't matter where you are in the world, people catch up with us and sit up straight, everyone. John Watson, he of uh, Formula One fame and so much more, long-time partner of mine in the GT World Challenge, he's listening and his ears pricked up this morning as he uh, came on. Uh, to start listening again, having followed the early stages of the race, Wayne Boyd, fellow Ulsterman, I've just given mm. him a, a bit of a big up. Um, it's been a long time, Wayne's career. He lost a lot of time after winning the British Formula 3 Championship and um, to come back into P3, and he is the man. So John is delighted to, to see, have his fellow countrymen doing so well. 85 seconds to the good in the P3 class, so it's uh, AWA, Wayne Boyd leading from car 33, Sean Creech Motorsport, and, of course, Sean's team has had such success in uh, Daytona the last couple of years really happy hunting ground but at the moment it's AWA leading the way with Wayne Boyd yeah and he had a a, a huge lead I remember when we first started our shift which uh, extended to virtually a a full lap but things have condensed since then confirmation on well it's still timed at a lap I don't know when the Nolan Seagal car last crossed the line but I wouldn't be surprised to see the Duquesne DOA that dominant particularly because Wayne he must be towards the thick end of a, of a triple stint now and he's not far away actually from needing to pit again amazingly not the quickest driver to have driven the number 17 car that was Nico Verone the real really talented Argentinian driver and a more recent fast lap that actually at 283 laps when when you compare the GTPs that mainly all set their quick laps on either lap six seven or eight to have a, a, a quick lap a quickest lap for an individual car at say 200 or 300 laps in that's just a, a luck of the draw where you start three and three and a half miles around here and you probably reach zero traffic yeah, entirely so, because uh, despite 24 hours of racing, a lot of the drivers will go, I didn't have a single lap in which I wasn't with someone, overtaking someone, being overtaken 
by someone according to the class of car you're driving. And for the GTG drivers in particular, they have to be looking at their mirrors all of the time. But you just get a sweet moment and suddenly no lights behind, no lights up ahead, and you can just put in the lap with the car. If you were watching 12 months ago, old rooftop ray was freezing everybody in the circuit was freezing through the night it went down below that mark and then it bobbled up to very generous two degrees in the morning so about 35 fahrenheit it was pretty hideous operating uh, conditions but today last time i checked about an hour ago it was 66 fahrenheit that's very nice thank you through the night so temperature not going any lower and uh work our way through so just much better because when you're waiting for a pit stop and you can't really feel your fingers yeah. but you don't want to wear gloves because you or, or anything thick on your hands because as a mechanic you need to get that feel of what you're operating then of course um, you've really just got to have a look out there yeah a lot of it's down to muscle memory but then again you've got an awful lot of very very hot components so there will be some protection nevertheless but uh, there are gloves and other equipment that are designed to protect you from hot race cars are not necessarily designed to keep you warm on a chilly Florida night. Thankfully, that's not what we've got this year, though. It looked about four or five days out from this weekend, Saturday into Sunday, that it would be a fairly low-temperature night spell, but uh, a very toasty, well, I would say toasty, being a Brit, 19 degrees C. It's about 66, 67 Fahrenheit, and uh, very pleasant indeed. Certainly the best overnight spell we've had in recent years. It was 2019 that was the year that had many, many hours uh, stopped with a uh, red flag because of the wet weather conditions. And we went straight from 2019, where we had to restart in the morning, to 2020, which is the longest distance ever in the history of the Rolex 24, at 833 laps. I don't know how we're doing, actually, in terms of chasing that down with these brand-new cars. I should try, try and work out uh, the lap distance that we're on course for. But I think the cautions that we had, not necessarily in the first six hours, but then in the second bout of six hours, that has significantly slowed us in a chase for yet another race distance record, which would have been uh, the second in, what, three, four years um, it wasn't necessarily a long-standing record that we broke in 2020 either, an indication of the development of these prototype cars and, of course, the, the various rule sets that we've been going through. We're at the start of a brand-new one, and very exciting it is too. P3 pit stop, class leader Wayne Boyd, just been mentioning him. You said, Johnny, quite rightly, he's at the end of a stint. The car is at a standstill, but with an advantage, I think it was 85 seconds, 1 minute 25 seconds, uh, you know, they can uh, take their time. Lights back on, and off it goes again. Black and green, two cars from AWA, number 17, which is the class leader with the green flanks on the, the black livery, and the sister car, Ori Fidani, Matt Bell, Moritz Krantz, and Lars Kern, a late addition to that crew, yellow on their flanks but for AWA things going very nicely for their 17 car leading Nolan Siegel by as I said it was about a minute and a half and as Wayne leaves the pits Nolan on cue comes in to the other end of the pit lane so car 33 Sean Creech Motorsport in that second place in class and Antonio Cerevale car number 87 that's fast MD racing he is third in class maybe he's going to stay out for another lap we'll wait and see but Wayne Boyd just to uh, point it out into the pits pit stop done and he returns to the track yeah, so happy to stay on board and 
That's almost definitely a third stint now. Yeah. Uh, it's just changed to Veroni. I was going to be surprised oh, okay. if uh, if Wayne Boyd has oh, stayed yes. on board That's for yet another. Your timing screen comes on about two seconds before mine. You yeah, I had that arranged. Service, uh, did you? I'm afraid so. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, I'm, the lead. I'm the lead, Bruce. Always I'm the lead. Behind. Uh, so Verone, who has set the fastest lap, remember, in the race so far in that Duquesne D08, number 17, is uh, on board for some nighttime stints. Uh, they'll have to work through some of their other drivers in car 17 at a later stage, remember, but that will all be factored in, I'm sure. Are they going to do a driver change for Nolan Seagull, therefore? We'll have to wait and see because the 33 Sean Creech car is still on pit road after about an hour's worth of driving. That was a 31-lap stint for Nolan, whereas Wayne Boyd did 32 laps. And also in are the leaders in GTD. So they're reaching the end of 33, sometimes 34 laps. A good extension of the pit stop stint, actually, that for Daniel Junkadea, who did make 34. And David Pittard, likewise, well, P- Pittard is out of the car. They finally said, David, that's enough. Come and have a rest. But interesting, this time their synchronised pit stop, not quite as tidy because the 23 car had to go round the nose of the 27 car and is parked at a bit of an angle. Will Nolan Siegel stay aboard going back to that P3 battle? No, Nico Pino is taking it over. I thought, come on. I, you know when you have to double-check a driver's age? You think, I know he's young. <gasps> oh, you're only just 18. You're in your second Daytona 24 hours. That is where time has changed. I know if you go back to the very early 60s, um, we'd have the Rodriguez brothers who were respectively 11 and 12 at the time, I think, when they came racing. Of course, in Mexico, you could go racing a little earlier, but I'm exaggerating, but they were in their teens. It was a rare thing, top-level sports car racing back then. We have a spinner, Johnny. I'm going to say you are aware of Josh Pearson, though, 16 years old. Yeah, but that's now, but back back in the day, everyone was at least 35. So the spinner is Aston Martin-shaped. Is that one of the TGR cars that has looped at the intersection? It may well be... No, it's not the right colour for Pittard. It's TGM. It's the TGM car, I think. Yeah, yeah. TRM, TGM car. So... There are two entered in the race, I believe. But you're going to go for 64, are you? Hugh Plum, I think 64. Let's say we heard from brother Matt a while ago. Just can't quite get close enough on the focus. I mean, it would make sense for it to be an outlap because of the point we've been stressing. We've gone yellow, by the way. Oh, no. Was that within the limits of me mentioning the G word? I don't know. I think we've, we were out of that and into another segment of the race. We'd crossed the race hour. 8.33, so 20 minutes, 20 minutes ago. Well, it's, a, it's an outlap, we think, but I'll, I'll continue to check as we go to Joe Bradley. Um, I'm being told by the responsible adult that it's definitely my fault, this caution. It's going to be a full caution as well, <laughs> Joe, so plenty of time for you uh, to, to speak to whom? I've got Wayne Boyd, who's just got out the 17, uh, the AW8. Wayne, um, I just want to tell you, fellow Ulsterman, John Watson's listening in and was wishing you well. Oh, mega. <laughs> Brilliant. The, uh, the race has gone really well for us so far. We uh, had a bit of a sort of sort of trying start, shall we say. Um, the roar was a bit difficult for us. We found a, a broken part on the car that no one could have uh, you know, found uh, until after it, so that we were on, massively on the back foot. So... To be leading it by almost uh, almost a lap is uh, it's, it's pretty good, and we're, we're well pleased at the moment. But there's obviously a long way to go. Yeah, and and you know what, a lap around Daytona can just in the blink of an eye disappear, can't it? So you've got to keep pushing. 
Exactly. I always tell like people whenever they talk about IMSA, it's like you know the wave arounds and the yellows and everything. It's fantastic, but unless you're leading, whenever you're leading, when you're really a lap, it's not so good. But uh, but it's all all part of it. Um, as long as we're still there by the checker flag, I'll not be complaining too much. When you've become a bit of a, a, a stalwart in LMP3 cars, um, what's the LMP3 as a as a race car like around the banking here? Um, it's quite, it's quite interesting. I think I think everyone says the first sort of few laps that you do um, on the banking is something you'll not forget. Some people always sort of find it a bit daunting, but um, you know after a couple of laps you do get used to it. But that, but there's certainly nothing like it uh, that we ever go to, and you know back in the LMS or anything like that. So, um, but a P3 car, I, I love it. Um, it's it's something that I've done a a lot, a lot of laps in now between um, with United Autosports and uh, say with AWA now um, and it, it seems to suit my driving style really well um, for me from a Formula Ford background I think the P3s move around a little bit more um, and maybe sort of suit me a bit better but um, but I'm enjoying it so that's the main thing. Yeah, and I notice you're wearing your United Autosports underwear that's going to confuse Nick Damon when he comes down here so change it to UAWA once for him. Thanks Wayne. Thank you. Cheers. Wayne Boyd, after a, a meaty couple of stints there for AWA, bringing the LMP3 car in from the race lead, and car 17 will stay out front with Nico Veroni as we've plunged into a, another caution. So we're, fe- we're pretty definite now that that's Hugh Plum's Aston Martin, aren't we, Bruce? Number 64 that has come a cropper. And you know what? When it came on our screens, uh, when we thought we were trying to identify, it was down as Matt Plum, so maybe we just had the change over to Hugh. That was my... Uh, thought concept on that one but it's not going anywhere on the timing screens yes he's shed another lap so it almost certainly is the number 64 Aston Martin so taken a little bit of a twist and a turn running in the GTD Pro class so Ted Giovannis wouldn't have to do uh, so many hours in the car I reckon he was maybe 54 minutes into his stint and nearing the end of it had done 27 laps that car on the yellow, certainly capable of 34, but I think at race speed, 31, 32 laps. So he's probably about five laps out from a pit stop. We Oldish tyres, perhaps. Possibly. What we don't know is how the Aston Martin has ended up there, not been treated to a, a chance to describe exactly what happened. Could have been contact. That is a natural bottleneck as they come out of the Western Horseshoe. You're then having to hustle the car from the left-hand side of the circuit to the right-hand side of the track to then get through the awkward... There's the crossover bit, isn't there? There's a a kind of lip as well from the infield to the speedway and always a a chance of uh, some contact between a a, a prototype car that's looking to get by, potentially. Entirely. uh, You know, it has taken quite a while to move it. The the tow truck is now there, but the car is tail-on to the barriers, almost 90 degrees, sort of uh, the, the racing angle. We've just heard from Wayne Boyd, another star in the LMP3 class, 18-year-old Nolan Siegel with um, 25-year-old Joe Bradley. Uh, this is turning into a bit of a fight, isn't it? I know, I know the, um, the AWA car has gotten a lap ahead of everybody, but that's going to come back to you. Yeah, yeah, I think we, we got our lap back in the stop, actually, um, in the middle of my stint, and this yellow is perfect for us, so we'll get right up behind them, and it'll be a fight between... Um, Nico and, and whoever's in the AWA car right now, so I think we'll we'll have a good chance of the lead. Uh, Nolan Nolan Siegel was not a name on the entry list for the 33 Sean Creech out, so that must have been a late deal coming together for this weekend. It was, yeah. I wasn't with the team for the roar, um, and I did just a few laps in practice, so 
Um, it's been great to, to get in the car and get to know the guys this weekend, and um, we're having a great race so far. Is this your first experience of the LMP3 prototype? It is not. I raced the LMP3 all last year, uh, but always love driving it. Yeah, it, it's. I mean, you've come from a karting and single-seater background, yeah. Um, yeah. How does that compare? Um, the LMP3 is definitely... It, it's different from the open wheel car, but more similar to an open wheel than a GT with all the downforce, um, just a little bit more weight um, and a little bit more power. So um, it's an interesting adjustment, but um, really enjoying it. That's the challenge, isn't it? Thanks, Nolan. Thank you. Thank you very much, Joe. I'm um, just having a look at the tail end of the time charts. I think we'd listed seven retirements, but had we mentioned car 42, Jaden Conright, the last driver in that, has now got... Uh, all signs that that car has been retired. 42 is the uh, NTE Sport Lamborghini Huracan Evo 2 GT3 model. That's uh, Don Yount, Jaden Conright, Kerong Lee, and young Italian racer, racer Alessio Deleda, but going nowhere. So that makes eight retirements by our reckoning now, Johnny. Yeah, they're stacking up, aren't they? Uh, nothing to do with us, again. I mean, I, I, I'm willing to take the fact that we've got a yellow on the chin, but uh, retirements cannot be labelled at my door. Um, it's the nature of a 24-hour race, folks. We are testing cars to their sometimes very limit. The more amazing thing, Wayne Taylor will tell you, is that we've got so many of the GTPs still running and so many of them still on the lead lap as well. This is a good time, well, probably after the wave-by, to work out exactly how many retain their lead lap status. I can tell you it's at least six and I think Philly Albuquerque, well, no, he's a couple of laps down because of the work that had to be done on the number 10 WTR Andretti um, Acura. And the other car that is slowly catching back laps might even gain one back again is the number 7 Penske Porsche 963 with Felipe Nasser now at the wheel. He took over from Michael Christensen during the last bout of stops. We're still... Well, it's a chance to actually do some maintenance on the circuit as well. So back straight, I notice, is the scene of possibly a, an intervention vehicle. Or is that the Aston be being the tow towed? Yeah, tow truck coming towards the chicane on the high side, right up against the wall. I think it's the tow truck. But again, looking at something in the night with the flashing lights atop and uh, across the front grille alongside the headlights. Driver being... Um, towed back with that so I slightly confused matters by thinking we'd swap the plums but Hugh Plum yes Johnny has spotted it was a 57 minutes into the stint sometimes as a commentator you can have too many screens open quite confusing for someone of my predicament but uh, what I can tell you the race is being led by Nick Tandy by the best part of 20 seconds at the moment that Porsche is uh, listed ahead of Elio Castroneves in the number 60 Acura but we know full well that uh, the Acura has been leading on pace leading on the circuit but during this full course uh, caution period, of course, everyone is trying to get uh, the change out of their cars, any things they need to do to top up. And uh, we have been observing, and Joe's been questioning uh, Wayne Taylor, who is very upfront, that the Acuras, though they're fast, do need to just have their levels checked from time to time, mm -hmm. with the ingress of oil being a matter that hasn't been quite going according to plan. And then we've got another best part of nine and a half hours and a bit of small change still to go. So fluids are going to be required. That's not for, drive, for drivers and cars, I'm sure, because it's a warm old night. One minute, two minutes past four in the morning. Now, uh, the uh, Eastern Standard Time. So we are at the World Centre of Racing. 
and the Daytona International Speedway for the 61st edition of the Rolex 24 at Daytona. Sunrise, I'll remind you, is at quarter past seven this morning, so we're still over three hours away from that milestone, which will be counted as a significant one for certainly all the GTP cars. And it's getting very, very busy in pit road now, Joe. Assuming we've not had a switch around quite yet in the pit lane. Uh, but uh, Castroneves in from second, Dirani in from third, Bordet in from fourth, Alex Lynn, Philip Eng. They're all piling down pit lane now because the main bank of GTPs that have been stacked up because of the yellow all choosing to pit at the end of this uh, this stint. It's not been a full stint, but certainly worthwhile to get plenty of fuel on board at this stage. Right, and just, just to point out that Nick Taddy came in the previous time around. That's yeah. why he's listed as the race leader. He will be shuffled back down the order a little bit, but certainly the number 60 car, unless anything untoward occurs during the pit stop, any uh, maintenance they're going to take on for the Konica, uh, sorry, not the Konica, the Admire Shank racing with Kirk, Gajanian Acura wheel at the moment coming into the pit lane that should return to the front of the pack that's Elio Castroneves just at the end of his first stint in this car so a an enforced pit stop if you like the Aston Martin still has not moved from its resting position okay. definitely the 64 though that's now confirmed because via Ray Wenzel Jr's camera on the top of the world center of racing we have uh, an extreme close-up of the 64 car and Castroneves, I thought, was already driving the 60. Let's just have a little look to remind myself. Joe posing the question that we might have had a driver change, but no, the background on my screen is blue for most of the drivers. The one that we did have a change is that Julian Canal got out of the leading LMP2 car, number 88 for AF Corsa, and the rapid matcher Vaxivier has taken charge of that. So Vaxivier versus Josh Pearson at the sharp end of LMP2, but all of the stopping GTP cars from second down to sixth overall retaining their pilots. Now, one of the questions that uh, I'm going to pose to Joe, in fact, the only one right now, is when the number 64 Aston Martin, the team TGM entry, is returned to pit lane, I'd be interested to know what the damage is, why the car couldn't continue under its own steam. It was a rear-end impact to the tyre wall at a low-speed corner, admittedly, but it'd be really handy to find out uh, if that's over and out or if it's something that they uh, that could have any work done on it. But anyhow, the car being removed, but it clearly wasn't the one we spotted going down the back straight. There was obviously another course vehicle we were getting as we were looking head-on at the... Well, I, I just oh. wondered whether this caution, because it's a, a fair way out from the previous, was a chance to do some sweeping as well. So that's probably was the, either the blower or the sweeper on the back straight. But uh, Joe reminding us off air there that the Aston will now be taken on the flatbed to the uh, the satellite garage, if you like, because there are, there are no garages here at Daytona. You've got a pit road, concrete wall, and a limited amount of personnel that can step over that wall and the line to attend, to attend cars that are potentially damaged, more extensive work is done in the garages within the paddock. And it's quite a walk away from the pit lane. If you're down at pit exit end of the pit lane, you've got to go behind all the pits and then go into the paddock. But, you know, I always feel that when the cars go back to their garages, clearly major work needs doing, but it doesn't feel as immediate and as crazy as you have when they go into a pit garage at, say, Le Mans. I don't know why, it just seems a separation. I'm sure the teams are just as focused, but to me, it just seems like they go, right, OK, cool heads, calm minds, 
let's sort the problem. Whereas if you look at them right by the pit lane when the cars are being worked on, you don't always feel that's the case. I'm sure it's just a psychological move. Let's uh, get an update on TGM and the state of that Aston Martin if we can. Joe, who have you found? I've got Grant Clark, who's the man in charge of that car on the pit wall. Grant, have you uh, any info as to just how bad the damage is? Not yet. Uh, obviously, we've seen the car has been put on a flatbed to be recovered back to the garages. So we're just waiting for that to get back, and then we'll assess it and work out whether we can repair the car and get back into the race. We got very little information from the driver before he came out of the car, so we don't know the extent of the damage at this stage. Are you heading over there now? Are you, are you getting? Yeah, we'll go back now, assess the car when it arrives in the paddock, and uh, hopefully get it back out on track. Thank you, mate. I'll leave you to that. Cracking update again, Joe. All about knowing uh, knowing these people that have, have the answers, isn't it? And uh, Grant, a former student of yours, wasn't he? Yeah, for, um, taught him all he knew. Not, not quite. No, Grant, Grant is the uh, the lad who made his way down from Edinburgh and knocked on the door of Bobby right. Racing and asked for a job. And I thought that showed such endeavour to make that trip on the train and then the metro and then to find us in was even more of a miracle um, <laughs> rather than us being in a track somewhere. And I just thought that that's just such a determination. That so yeah, he came and worked for us uh, when we did British Touring Cars and. Uh, He's now been an engineer at, uh, for various Aston Martin teams and other projects. So, yeah, one of our success stories. And in this day and age, looks to avoid you rather than chase you down. Oh, he does, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think that's a lot of money, actually. Yeah, good point. Yeah. Probably. But you know what? <laughs> Across the years, the decades, Joe, that endeavour, people going and knocking on doors... If ever you get a chance, read The Road to Monaco, Howden Ganley's book. He was a guy racing in New Zealand. He hopped on the plane, no job just a vague notion he wanted to work in motorsport in England, went to a scruffy industrial unit just at the end of the runways at Heathrow at Colnebrook and joined McLaren, full of Kiwis under the inimitable, fantastic, brilliant driver and orchestrator of uh, personnel, Bruce McLaren. Didn't even have a solid floor in the unit there. It was basically an earth floor. And Howden not only really helped shape the cars, great engineer, but to some of the drivers, they went, hold on, you you're an engineer on these cars and a mechanic, and now you're racing alongside us in Formula One. So, Road to Monaco by Howden Ganley. Do get, do get to read that great book. You know, some books really, really work. And I don't know. We've got a lot of Kiwi drivers at the top end now, but it mm. was the guys from the sixties who had to make do and men. But Joe, you love the book. Is actually, I've, I actually think that is my favourite ever racing book. Because it gives such insight um, as to you sort of how how to go racing, basically. Yeah, and also, um, and also it's, Joe, it's across eras as well. It's across the ages. Exactly. But what I really love was stuck in the sixties, where basically, get this, people, Formula One teams could be run by cruisers small under ten people. I think there were eight people at McLaren back then, and and so as a mechanic on the team, Howden was making suggestions and things, but things were done for the next race. And not only suggestions, he then would manufacture the parts. That was how crazy it was back then. Uh, guys, there. while we've been chatting there, uh, the number 60, the Maya Shankar, has received more management to that situation with the oil replenishment. And the car came back in under yellow and sat on the pit road for um, a chunk of, quite a chunk of time, considering. But it's back out there, so they're, they're continuing to manage that issue. Thank you for that. Yeah, I noticed um, quite a bit of attention on the 60 car 
during that stop. There were also fuel stops for the 24 again and uh, as mentioned the 60 as Joe's just said but no driver changes because they were very swift stops indeed so the 24 BMW GTP car for Austrian driver Philip Eng Nick Tandy making the uh, Bruce made the point pitting a long time before everybody else he's now 15 laps into his current stint although remember the last four or five have been under caution whereas Alex Lynn, Sebastian Bourdais, Pippa Durrani's Cadillacs all pitted two laps ago. But yes, that was just another look for both the BMW and the Acura, I noticed. Uh, you might as well, because a quick visit to pit road is not going to lose you a further lap. You'll stay within sight of the safety car and then rejoin. So... Don't know the reason why the BMW pitted again so soon after its previous stop, but Joe's detailed exactly why the number 60 Mike Shank Racing Acura did that. 15 laps in for Philippe Albuquerque's number 10 car as well. So they have chosen not to stop in favour of gaining a further lap back. Remember, before this caution, Albuquerque was two laps adrift of the race leader. That should bring him back to just one lap away now. And there might be a moment to talk amongst yourselves here, Bruce, because I just want to count up the number of cautions we've had Look, so far. Perfect timing, Johnny, Go as ahead. ever, because John Watson back oh. on the blower. Nice interview with Wayne. Thanks for the match. By the way, 50 years ago, I competed in the Daytona 24 hours. Nice. Celebration. Mike Halewood was co-driver in a Gulf Mirage Ford. Unsurprisingly, didn't finish. Where have 50 years gone? And he said, oh, by the way, Howden, of course, just mentioned Howden, Gandhi was in the other Mirage with Derek Bell. Um, they didn't finish either. And again, that just is a reiteration of what I was saying earlier, to finish the Daytona 24 hours was something very special 50, even 40, even 30 years ago. But now we have cars we expect to go all the way. However, here's a little issue we might uh, chew among ourselves. Of course, GTP, it's new, it's back, it's the top level of racing here. But the cars are very quick, but are they going to be fragile? Before the race... You'd have been listening back then and watching, Johnny. Well, people say, could a P2 car win this race? Yeah, because yeah. P2, the Orica 07, has been going around for about, if I say five years, it might be four years, it might be six years. Anyhow, a while. They've been very well tested since they took over from the 03. However, the best place of those, Ben Hanley in the 04 entry, leads that class. That's for CrowdStrike racing by APR. But he has done 458 laps. Well, he hasn't. The car has to 4.72 so at the moment they're 14 laps down on the ultimate pace and uh, let's look at the moving clock how many hours have we left in this race uh, plenty to be going on with just under nine and a half hours remaining we may get daylight again of course we'll get daylight but right now of course with the night crew powered by sacred coffee and that's not just a gesture it's very much in the mug in front of me we've got plenty more darkness to take us through but again good to hear from Wattie and of course back then all the top drivers would have been uh, competing all around the world and they did it for start money as much as uh, the glory because uh, you didn't just be a Formula 1 driver you uh, had many things John's Formula 1 career was just uh, coming into view at that point but uh, you raced what you could where you could a lot of the drivers back then didn't really enjoy sports car racing they, a lot of them were very much single seaters only but mm. uh, you have to pay the bills and um, they gained a lot of experience which obviously they'd have taken to Le Mans and other places very sad to see the 64 TGM Aston Martin being um, 
lowered back down to track level, not in the shape uh, that it left the team TGM TF Sport Garage, but uh, that is going to be worked on. But clearly there was rear-end impact. Very hard to see. John, neither John or I saw the incident happen. All we could see was the car was facing the wrong angle with the tail into the tyre wall. The car took quite a while, though, Johnny, to move, didn't it? Yes, and I think that was a, a concern potentially about Hugh Plum, just to make sure that he was OK. And then it was in an awkward position. Uh, so the track workers here, the corner workers, needed to be, make sure that the pace of the field had been slowed sufficiently so that they could get a, a flatbed out to that scene. This is caution number eight, by the way, uh, after what oh, just over 14 hours of the race we've had so far. And it's looking like it's going to be another six or seven lap caution um, to take us through to lap 475, or maybe just short of that, actually. We're working lap 472 now. Uh, just getting word, Bruce of a car having to serve a drive-through. Now, which one was that? Because I didn't catch the number. I think it was car number 60, which uh, Ooh, should okay. have a famous role to play in this race. It was the yeah. race, effective race leader, Helio Castroneves. Drive through the pits. We'll try and get to the bottom of that. Well spotted. Thank you very much, Joe. Well, it's still in pit road at the moment, but remember that uh, the pit out sensors are much further around the pit exit road uh, than uh, in previous years so um, it's now 10 seconds clear of the pit lane which would fit I reckon with a, with a drive-through penalty uh, but we'll try and work out exactly what that is for I used to love the fact that when you got to the, at the end of pit road on the tri-oval section effectively it was then pedal to the metal and you had to squirm your way through that no, no, it's certainly not a straight on the pit lane exit there. There's a concrete wall immediately to your right. There's a concrete wall immediately to your left. And you've got to go through there as quick as possible. There's now about half of it dictated by the speed limit. But I do like the fact that you still have to release that, pit, that uh, limiter button with a good stretch of that still at your disposal and potentially on brand new Michelin tyres. Very slithery indeed. Yeah, p power your car as, as well as you can down that concrete funnel. And yeah, we would see people who, I mean, you know, how much egg would you like on your face, effectively? But luckily, you know, well, very, it has very good point. Very good point, Johnny, about the speed limiter now, because that does make quite a difference. And it probably saves a few people from uh, bashing their car and embarrassing themselves. We are set for a restart by the look of the GTP field, heading out of Speedway Turn 4 and up towards the trioval. Um, in front of this huge grandstand at Daytona and thundering their way off the oval and onto the infield go the top, well, seven GTPs pretty much and I reckon Philippe Albuquerque did get a lap back on certainly Elliot Castroneves Castroneves was in at least twice during that caution possibly three times as they try and rectify the ongoing issue with the 60 car it's not a big problem but they've got to stay on top of it same goes with the 10 Acura as well Nick Tandy though leading at this restart on lap 475 ahead of Alex Lynn's Cadillac so it's Porsche Caddy 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 and the third of those Cadillacs the wheel and engineering machine rounding the Western Hall shoot three hours away from daylight and up towards the tricky left-hander onto the banking again, this freight train led by British driver Nick Tandy. Sometimes a caution period works for you, sometimes against. But hey, sports car fans, wherever you are around the world, who cares? Because basically we get a release of the field, as we're having now. We're having overtaking driver in sixth place, trying to go on the high side and uh, making it work. 31 mm. 
uh, with Pipo Durrani at the wheel. He's shown every time there's a restart, he's definitely prepared to put his nose down the inside of other cars, and he makes it work. Yeah, so the wheeling car gaining strides. As mentioned, Nelio Castroneves came in, I reckon, three times during that caution. Joe, you've got a word on what's happening there. Yeah, the number 60 did not take a penalty. It wasn't a penalty. They had a quick splash. So quick, I missed it. Mm. Well, the other two cars that did splashes, well, certainly Philip Eng, and I thought it was Castroneves as well. So were they just replenishing that fuel virtually every couple of laps underneath the caution? Let's concentrate on the fight on the infield, though, because it is, again, so enthralling. Cadillac side by side, and that was the 0-1 fending off the car immediately behind it which will be Dirani again I should think uh, through the left hand kink Tandy continues to lead Alex Lynn in the 0-2 Cadillac in second position hammering on the anchors into the western horseshoe and then back on the loud pedal to come out and just take a well a fair bit of kerb half the car straddling the ripple strip there Mossling the car from one side of the road to the other. And yes, indeed, Pipa Durrani losing a spot again to Sebastian Bourdais. They seem to be getting back up to speed at different rates here. We had one overtaking to the Le Mans chicane and a repass re on the infield on this next lap, Bruce. It's so good to watch. I really do enjoy these restarts. I mean, I, I know the scope is to, to, to gain places, but equally, as we saw in the previous restart, Several drivers got it slightly wrong and went a little bit backwards, but yeah. attack with caution, but uh, riding on board with the 30, 31 entry, the wheel and engineering car of Pipo Durrani, seeing five prototypes ahead of him up on the banking in the dark. Not as dark as you'd have a lot of circuits, great big um, floodlights around the, the high side of the banking, and it does illuminate the circuit very nicely indeed. Past the big Daytona sign on the infield opposite the pits into turn one. It's such a difficult corner. Have we a change for the lead? Alex Lynn going to the outside. But well, that's course... Albuquerque, isn't it? Oh, sorry, it's Albuquerque. Yes, he's uh, three laps down, now two so laps down. We but, haven't uh... really been tracking Albuquerque's progress because it's not, he's not featuring in the leading gaggle on the timing screen. Because remember, it still trails two laps from Nick Tandy but he's that desperate to get one of them back again Nick won't know which car that is and the fact that it's two laps down and he just wants to keep absolutely everyone behind him but they will have tuned the number 10 car up as much as possible having replenished the fuel at roughly half distance Wayne Taylor has um, really ch told us a, a lot of truths about that car and how they're having to um, really fettle it on on the fly if you like but they're desperate as after Albuquerque stayed out during the caution to get one of the laps back, although he's still shown as two down. So he needs to get ahead of Nick Tandy and, and within this stint. Yeah, and then he'll, he'll be one lap down. But yeah. again, for Nick, he knows that, that he had the six other prototype GTP cars in behind him in a line, but he just didn't know which one. What could he see in his taillights as, as he was looking out uh, from the headlights uh, flashing in behind him? But Philippe Albuquerque, yeah, well, the only thing he can do is take a few risks now to get mm. one of those laps back and then has nine, and nine hours and 20 minutes remaining to hope a few more caution periods come their way. Clarification from Joe in the pit lane. It wasn't a drive-through penalty for the number 60 Meyer Shank Racing Acura, but it's down in sixth place. It was a top-up, but uh, talking of penalties, they can come at any time for a wide range of transgressions, and 
boy, oh boy, does that set you back. So, of course, all the teams trying their utmost not to do that. We've got 476 laps on the board. The gap between first and second, Nick Tandy in the number six Porsche and Alex Lynn. It was 1.1 1 and a half seconds last time around. I'm waiting for the next timing interval, but it's, uh, oh, 1.462 seconds. So that is your margin, another four-tenths of a second back to Sebastian Bourdais. So it's Porsche, Cadillac, Cadillac, Tandy, Lynn and Bourdais. And it's not altogether surprising to see Nick Tandy just scampering away a little bit now to 1.4 seconds the gap. His car a lot lighter on fuel currently than those chasing Cadillacs that have all pitted within the last eight laps, whereas Nick is going to have to pit in about eight laps. Well, it's more like nine or ten, actually. He's 21 laps into his stint, whereas all of the cars behind him are either eight laps or fewer, in fact, into a stint. Philip Eng pitted at least twice during the caution. We had Elio Castroneves in four laps before we went back to green flag running. Philippe Albuquerque is deeper into his stint because, again, he chose not to pit during the caution to try and get one of those laps uh, back. But he's still two down compared to Nick Tandy, and that's the reason why he's trying to hurry his way by. And actually, Albuquerque and Nick Tandy's cars will be of similar fuel weights right now. They both pitted on the same lap. To the high side, Sebastian Bourdais through Speedway's turn three and four. He has right in front of him the rumbling Cadillac from Cadillac factory team for Alex Lynn, the 0-2. So it's 0-2 ahead of 0-1 for second and third. And in fourth position, Durrani's 31 caddy as well. And a big lock-up there from the car in front. That's surely going to chuck the 0-2 wide. So a slight mistake there from Alex Lynn in the blue-nosed caddy. And that's the only opportunity Sebastian Bourdais needed to gain the place. And, if, and a net race lead once you take Tandy out of this in, in uh, eight laps' time, as I say. Great racing. That's why I like these restarts, because for a number of laps, these cars will be nose to tail. Sister cars. <laughs> yes. When has one side of a garage ever wanted to cede to the other? So the yellow-nosed Cadillac is now into effective race lead. Sebastian Bourdais ahead of Alex Lynn. Yes, they're second and third on the track. However, Nick Tandy will owe a pit stop before they do because the, the competitive, I think we can call or the well-placed uh, Penske Porsche Motorsport uh, Porsche is due in before the others. That's got 478 laps on the board. The sister car, 462, still resolutely 16 laps down as they have been since we came on just at the halfway point in this race. Earlier setbacks, the number seven, all Michael Christensen could do. He handed over to Philippe. Nasa, who's doing exactly the same job. Felipe pressing on, 16 laps down. It's not a test session. They're going to race as hard as they can, but uh, really cruel to have a problem early on. But we knew some of the prototypes would have exactly that. But the driver without a problem at the moment is the number 01 Charger, and that is Sebastian Bourdais trying to pick off some more drivers up ahead of him. But uh, a chance for Cadillac to move to the top of the pile. It's been Acura. We've had Porsche. And uh, Cadillac in the mix. Right, BMW fans, what huh. has been the story for you in that mix? Because one of your cars, 24, Philippe Eng is in fifth place, but the sister car... Worth making the point, isn't. sorry to interrupt, not worth making all. the point, that's not Nick Tandy being overtaken. That is the delayed Felipe Nasser 963, so down in traffic, but Bordet's just got past him on the infield, and it looks like Alex Lynn's going to do the same as well. So Nick Tandy's cleared off, he's nearly two seconds clear of Bordet, and that is NASA, who's 14th overall. If he was an LMP2 car, he'd be 7th, in fact. And 16 laps still 
16 laps down. Sorry, Bruce. No, no, no. Well, that, that's a good point. But what I want to emphasise is the gap between the two BMWs is rather larger than the 16 laps between the two Porsches because we've got uh, Philippe Eng at 24. He's got 479 on the board. So let's do the maths. That makes him 132 laps ahead of teammate Sheldon van der Lille. Go, Sheldon. Sheldon's having a cracking season. He just... Uh, Got to race in the Formula E down in uh, his home country in South Africa, but the early setbacks, the number 25 BMW entry from BMW M Team RLL. They're still out there, they're still going around, but uh, three cars were ahead of them that have retired from the race, and those are cars from GTD and one from P3. So clearly early setback, but you don't pack a car into the garage. If particularly early in the, the history of a car, a competitive history of a car, you've got track time, you take it. Tommy Milner, who's running third in GTD Pro in the number three uh, Chevrolet Corvette, the C8R GTD, which is the detuned GTLM car after the end of that rule set, but looking forward to a bespoke GT3 car in the near future. Well, that'll be season 2024. Already talking about that, by the way. Uh, the car is here at Daytona to... Uh, for the publicity shots and for everyone to get very excited about that car moving forward. But Tommy Milner running third in pro, fifth when you combine the two GTD classes together. And he's hunting down Jack Hawksworth's number 14 Lexus RCF. They've got Daniel Junkadea up ahead of them. Gap's very, very small indeed. And speaking of the 2024 Corvette... There it is in the garage. So uh, it's been put away for the night, but I'm sure it'll be wheeled out again. Thank you, Ray. Ray Wenzel Jr. giving us a little nod there with the camera as well. See, he's paying attention to every word we utter and uh, adjusting his shots accordingly. So that's received a lot of attention this weekend, understandably so. We still have a full season, though, of the C8R to look forward to. Right, uh, just having a, getting across the uh, Twitter feed and well expletive. We received a, si a stop plus 60 seconds for running the red light at pit, pit exit. That's uh, Magnus Racing, the number 44 Aston Martin. So I said penalties can come and they can provide the annoying setback. And at the moment, fourth in class for Spencer Pompelli, but with the 60 second uh, visit to the pits, the in, the out. A stop plus 60 seconds, that is. Come to a standstill and then get going. That has set them back. But thank you, Magnus Racing, for keeping us informed. Yeah, and that via their Twitter feed. So appreciative of that. So much going on in a car that still contains mid-50s, isn't it? We're we down to 53 or 54 cars now of the 61 uh, 53. starters. 53. We have eight retirements, so yes. Thank you for that. Um, well, not necessarily thank you, because it's uh, always great to retain as many as possible, but it is the nature of such a long race. So the new Corvette deemed the Z06 GT3.R. They always like a dot in the middle of their uh, model uh, number or model name. We've got the C8.R currently, but it'll be the GT3.R for season 2024. Nice to have the Z back in the name as well for a new GT3 era. Still mid-engined. Um, Doug Feehan was up with John Hindoff in, the pre in his previous stint in the Radio Show Limited commentary booth. And still chatting about all things General Motors um, in general. Although uh, also Doug Feehan finding a bit of time for some golf these days as well. Uh, John said he didn't expect necessarily him to be sitting down and 
enjoying a few rounds, but he said, no, 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 that's definitely on the, the schedule. Or schedule, should I, should I say? Wherever he wants to put it, I think that's absolutely fine. Sorry, if I, if I sound as I'm laughing, I, I am a little bit, because um, what I hadn't noticed with Magnus Racing's tweet, well, expletive, there's a, there's a person sticking his face into a bowl of iced water because he's so upset about the, uh, the time penalty coming their way. Yeah, nice use of a, a meme or a gif or yeah, I don't know what they are, but it makes me laugh. Something like that. Easy Appropriate photograph insert here, and they've definitely done that with Magnus. So unfortunate for them, but uh, they will... Well, they have got enough time to come fighting back with nine hours and ten minutes still to go. Confirmation of the eight retirements to date. So shall we go from the bottom of the timing screen upwards? Now, this is not necessarily in retirement order, of course. It's down to laps completed at the time of retirement. But we've got the 47 Chetelar Racing Ferrari, one of the brand new Ferrari 296 GT3 cars, and unfortunately that only got to well 404 laps down it is currently, and 44 laps completed for Roberto Lacorte et al. Gar Robinson was last in the Riley LMP3 car number 74, which retired after 89 laps. So car 74 from the LMP3 class, the 75. Sun Energy 1 Mercedes AMG GT3 that, that retired after 233 laps and is the third retirement the fourth retirement car number 11 which is the Orica LMP3 0714 TDS Racing 249 laps completed there 92 GTD car which is the Kelly Moss with Riley uh, Porsche 911 so one of the new GT3R 992 cars had Andrew Davis at the wheel, but after 278 laps, that cried enough. James Collado's GTD Pro Ferrari, another new 296 out of the race for Rizzi Competizione, a big fan favourite often here at Daytona, but that out after 349 laps. And the more recent retirements, one from GT Daytona, which was the 42 Lamborghini Huracan, and... Car 42 is the Lambo that was run by NTE Sport. That retired after 356 laps. And the second LMP3 car no longer in the running is the 36 car for Andretti Autosport. So their LMP3, Ligier, JSP320, retired after 371 laps. That's eight retirements of the 61 starters. We still have 53 runners, therefore. And actually... The 25 BMW, which is still going. That's the one that had the very early problems when Nick Yellily was at the wheel. And he actually pulled off in a, a bizarre uh, position on the track, which was the hybrid safe area. They didn't need to throw a caution uh, because of it, because it was basically between Speedway Turn 4 and the pit road entry point. But he hadn't reached the pits. He, he turned 90 degree left and gone behind the concrete wall. So he was in a safe position. But also the team couldn't get to it. I think the the blue light was still illuminated in the cockpit, which means do not touch the car in its hybrid hybrid form because it's still charged with electricity. So very helpless indeed were Team BMW and RLL having to just watch the car. And that's really what's put it so many laps down, 133 laps. You've mentioned already van der Linde still, though, working hard to get to the finish. And that's now the priority. And the other car that is behind a retirement but with scope to get above it, is the 
Daniel Frost driven 43 LMP3 car. And remind me of entrance That's there. That's MRS GT Racing. And just before we came on air, it looked a little different because the back end of the car was on fire while out so going through turn four. There was an. We think it was. Uh, well, it actually was very, very well picked up by the cameras because you could see not only was. Uh, whatever fuel was leaking into the engine bay. It was also that around the brake disc there was burning rubber, we think, uh, had got stuck underneath. You get the tyre build-up that goes in there. And if you've never been in a pit lane when mechanics, or had a chance to see when mechanics are reaching in with their gloves on and possibly with a stick, if pref preferably, to clear all the rubber that builds up inside a wheel arch and, uh, and it can lead to fires in its own right, I think that's possibly what was going on. But that certainly set back the MRS... Well, GT entry. It, its last pit stop, and this would tie in perfectly, was after 12 hours and 17 minutes, and that was three minutes before Bruce and I came on air. So we're talking three hours and 10 minutes ago, there or thereabouts, since its last time in the pit stop, uh, in the in pit lane, and surely been behind the wall for much of that time with the team frantically trying to get it into some sort of state where it can return to the racetrack. It is not an official retirement at least so far for MRS and car number 43. Meanwhile, Nick Tandy, two laps away from needing to make a stop, I reckon. Car six is, is uh, squirming its way then through that flick-flack turn two Daytona, sometimes not even given a turn number. But there's definitely a kink there, or two, in fact, as the track lurches to the right and the left behind pit, uh, behind the pit wall, and then you leap onto the brakes into the international horseshoe, and with traffic to deal with now, seven or eight cars ahead of Nick in sector two, and even more than that, further up front. So, um, well, actually, that's traffic that the Cadillacs will all have to deal with in the near future. Sebastian Bourdais in a net race lead because he's about halfway through his stint, whereas Nick's right at the end of it. Um, Alex Lynn and Pippa Durrani all pitted on the same lap in similar Cadillac V LMDHs. Races, different races, you may say, between Nick Tandy, who's owing us a pit stop. He's just under two seconds clear of Sebastian Bordet, but Bordet and Lynn, 0-1 and 0-2 Cadillacs, they've got longer to run in this stint, so it's how they pick off the traffic. Nick has to eke every advantage he can have, but his lap pace... Last time around, it was one and a quarter seconds slower than Sebastian Bordet. Yes, there might have been traffic, but at the moment, the, Lambie, uh, the uh, Cadillacs are looking very, very good. You could say, but Nick Tandy's getting towards the end of tyre life, but he's also got a much lighter fuel load, so that should sort of balance out. But certainly, when you get clear track, Sebastian Bordet, even more so than his teammate Alex Lynn, uh, seems to be making the most of the moment. Uh, the gap between those two cars is the best part of two seconds, and not so long ago it was Lynn ahead of Bordet, but Bordet very, very good in traffic. In fact, John, we saw a little mistake, didn't we, going onto the banking, coming out of uh, turn five, effectively, from Nick Tandy and Sebastian Bordet didn't need two invitations. He had better momentum, or built momentum sooner out of the corner, and went past. At that point, and we saw a lock-up, didn't we, from, from Nick yeah. going to the chicane as he tried to resist the charge, but then he was compromised on the exit out of the Le Mans chicane. But the writing was on the wall and Sebastian was going through. Keep mentioning Nick Tandy's going to be in probably at the end of this lap, but the lead change is going to happen now, although Sebastian Bourdais has to drop a couple of wheels on the grass there between the Western Horseshoe and the left-hander onto the speedway. So, in fact, Bourdais didn't quite make it. These are the killer laps. These are the crucial ones because, was it Wayne Taylor making the point that in-laps and out-laps are where you're going to lose 
or gain the most amount of time. And Nick's clearly really struggling at the end of a double stint on these tyres now. Bourdais, in a, a great uh, stretch of life, in the early stages of his stint, he's only 17 laps in, and they were fully alongside one another into the braking area for the Western Horseshoe. Nick couldn't get on the throttle because he had an LMP2 car in front of him. Well, no, that wasn't really an issue. That's actually coming out of the International Horseshoe. Then towards the kink, just a dab of the brakes for Nick, and then the problem into the Western Horseshoe. He got on the wrong side of an LMP3 car, and that created the opening for Sebastian Bourdais. But then they had to go either side of said prototype, and that dropped two wheels on the grass for Bourdais. He did so well to hang on to that, but it meant that Nick Tandy was given an extra lease of life. And they don't think he's come in at the end of that lap. No, he hasn't. So 31 now on the stint, and still the man from Bedfordshire in the UK stays on the racetrack. Only just on the racetrack, he's twitching away as he tries to apply the power. I just want to, can I have permission to... Wind back and delete what I was saying before. I was about to say, the pit stop's coming up for Nick Tandy. He's running a different sort of race from Sebastian Bourdais and, and Alex Lynn in the two Cadillacs because they don't need to take any risk because Nick will peel off. But then, of course, Sebastian, I apologise. Of course, you're a racer, a multiple champion. That's why you're a racer. Half a chance to go past Tandy, regardless of the fact you're taking a risk because uh, the track will be all yours very shortly. But that was great racing. And again, it just showed... When you haven't got the tyre grip anymore, trying to get the power down to accelerate yeah. out of corners. And you saw Nick wanted to be pointing straight, but he was going off to the left as he came out of the right hand. Really must be thinking, oh, edge of the track, edge of the track, get off the kerbs, get back on the black stuff. The two Cadillacs are very, very close indeed. Alex Lynn now getting a fabulous toe from his teammate Sebastian Bourdais. They will be first and second, but for now, they're second and third. Nick Tandy, surely the message is coming through. Um, Nick, uh, Pitts, uh, do drop yeah. by, do drop by. Anytime you like, I think it will be this time around, but you make a great point that tyre life ain't an issue when you're on the, on the straights and on the speedway. As long as you've got a good run out of turn three, you should be fine. Nick Tandy does not peel off this time either. Uh, but the 31 car is going slowly. This is Piper Durrani's Cadillac for wheel and engineering. Fourth position. He's only 18 laps into his stint, so this should not be fuel. But it might be tyres. It might be a slow puncture or worse, a tyre going down. Unusual for the caddies to have a, a drivetrain issue, shall we say. But these are all brand new engines, remember. So what am I saying? He's in got a puncture. Fact? Yeah, I, it is I a think puncture. I know he's are. just transitioning off the track and there's a little bit of bump as you go down. But uh, I was going to say, saying something's not unusual. Nothing is usual with these GTP cars. This is the baseline. This is us getting to see them yeah. uh, really racing in high dudgeon now. Oh, <laughs> trying to go around the outside over the curbing in the International Horseshoe. But somehow Nick Tandy is in front, or was, because then was, the track yeah. goes to the left. And that was muscular racing from Sebastian Bourdais. Clearly a better exit as they doubled out of the Horseshoe. And then onto the banking they go. And the number six Porsche was in the lead. It's now in second place. And expect a flash of the black Cadillac any second because uh, the black and blue one with uh, Alex Lynn on board surely could choose his moment to go by certainly Nick Tandy is hanging on but that was half a chance half a chance was all Bordet needed and indeed into the Le Mans chicane the second of the Cadillacs as if Nostradamus was involved went through all over the road Nick Tandy at the Le Mans chicane I thought I'd wait for that moment before the VP Racing Fuels in race update because it was bound to change had I started it before the moment where the Cadillacs got by the 31s virtually stopped on the inside of turn four so we might even have to go into a yellow flag period to clear that little lot up Nick Tandy staying out again 
So that's 32 laps on the stint. Might be even 33. So Tandy's dropped two positions. He's well over an hour into this stint. But Porsche and Penske, more importantly, still think they've got enough fuel on board for this car to continue in the stint. Here's the VP Racing Fuels in-race update. Sebastian Bourdais now leading for Cadillac Racing in the 0-1 car. He has a 0.7 of a second lead over the sister machine as the 31 will make it back to pit road but goes straight behind the wall for wheel and engineering and the team in the garage are ready to receive it. So that, folks, was the fourth-place car, let us not forget, dropping way back now. Nick Tandy has slipped back to third and must be on fumes alone to be in to continue round for another three and a half miles. So it's the two Cadillac Racing VLMDHs, first and second, 0-1 from 0-2. Very good of them to be in number order. Third is the six Nick Tandy Porsche from Penske 963. Elio Castroneves in the uh, Mike Shack Racing with Kerb Agajanian. Acura AR606, ARX06, I should say. <laughs> Number 60 is in fourth. Then it's Philip Eng, who's climbed to fifth in the BMW. The M Hybrid V8, another brand new for 2023 car, gaining uh, a position because of Pippa Dorati's woes. He is now behind the wall in the 31 wheel and engineering Cadillac. The second of the Acuras from WTR Andretti for Philippe Albuquerque. Car number 10 is in seventh. LMP2 is led by Ben Hanley in the 0-4 car. That's, these are all, remember, Orica 07s in the second prototype class. And the 0-4 car run by CrowdStrike Racing. TDS Racing are in second position for Josh Pearson, number 35. Third is Mathieu Vaxavier in the 88 AF Corsa. And it's Rick Ware Racing, number 51 for Pietro Fittipaldi, fourth. If you're wondering where the number seven Porsche is, if that was an LMP2 car, it would be seventh in class, sandwiched between Anders Fjordback and Ryan Diel in the 20 and 18 LMP2 cars on the timing screen. In LMP3, it is still the number 17 car for AWA, for Nico Verone uh, in the lead of that class. Nico Pino in the 33 Sean Creech Motorsport car is in second. Fast MD Racing's 87 car, driven by Antonio Saravale, is in third position. GTD, 57 leading that for Wynwood Racing and Philip Ellis, ahead of Roman De Angelis' uh, Aston Martin. So it's Mercedes ahead of Aston Martin for Heart of Racing Team, number 27. Nick Tandy's now on pit road, incidentally. And the GT Pro leading trio, 79, 14 and 3. So that is WeatherTech Racing Mercedes, Vassa Sullivan, Lexus and Corvette, number 3 for Daniel Junkadea, Jack Hawksworth and Tommy Milner, respectively. That was your hourly update, brought to you by VP Racing Fuels, the official coolant of IMSA. Stay frosty.